All right. Welcome back, everybody, to the High Performance Happiness Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sharp. Thank you for coming back. If you're new to the show, welcome. This is going to be fun and uh, I think a great one to jump into. For those that have been helping us get this off the ground, we're super grateful for that. Uh, This is an opportunity for me to kind of do what I love and get to learn all at the same time. I get to interview business leaders, execs, entrepreneurs, industry leaders, And the goal is to really uncover two things. One is, what are the strategies to build better businesses, but also better lives? So we're covering all the good stuff and the hard stuff. Everything from, you know, how do you beat burnout or how do you make a big decision to how do you manage stress, but how do you scale a startup, right? And this will be a, we have a great guest for both those things today. So you'll hear practical advice from people who are doing this, not from the mountaintop, not the did 30 years ago, but people who are really on that path right now with you. And I really believe there is a path to balance happiness and high performance. I don't think you have to choose. And we're going to explore that here together. And that's exactly what we're going to do with our guest today, who I want to welcome now. So Diane Wismer, thank you very much. The CEO of Spark and uh, just excited to have you join us here today. Thanks for thank being you, here. Thank you, Brian. Happy to yeah. be here. I think your background's important. So if you'll if you'll indulge me, I want to give a little bit of background here because I think you know I bring in a lot of experts, but I also bring in who I think are great examples. And I'm gonna try and make you blush right out of the gate. But I think you're kind of both, right? Like wow. I think it's good. <laughs> so you. uh, you've got a really great uh, experience. I love how you say your mission is to bring the best out in people. You've got more than 20 years of experience as leadership, organizational development, HR. Also, obviously, operations, running businesses, and you've been helping build positive work environments everywhere you go to help people use their strengths and do really great things. Um, So for background, I think for context is important, right? You've been a coach, facilitator, uh, consultant, C-level exec. So you've seen this from a lot of different lenses, which I think is is really helpful. And a big driver for you is is really, I like how you put this in your bio, that um, by what's possible for people when they feel seen and know their contributions matter. And so today, you know, we're going to, for those of you that run teams and businesses, you're going to think through this a little bit from your employees perspective, but I hope today you also think about it from your personal perspective. And I hope we get to dig into both those sides of those. You're also the co-founder and CEO of Spark, which is a really exciting up and coming SaaS startup. If uh, you're on LinkedIn, you've certainly seen and heard these um, what these ladies are up to. It's a leading edge employee recognition um, startup, and uh, you kind of keep the thing going. I can appreciate what it takes to keep everything rocking in a in a startup. So, um, welcome. We're glad to have you here. Thank you, Brian. I'm happy to be here. I think it's a it, great topic. It it is, and I think you know as I've watched the journey of Spark kind of get off the ground and continue to. Obviously, it's a it's a journey. Um, I got introduced to you through through a mutual colleague, um, so I think we know a little bit about your your background. But where would you say, like, if I were to ask you, you know, tell me a little about yourself? Like, what's your answer right now? Where are you at in kind of life and business? Would you say, like, just to give us a starting point? Yeah, so where I am right now is right back into that entrepreneurial startup place with Spark that I love. And I've, I've been in the startup uh, space a few times in my career. And uh, I just, I love the electricity and the creativity and that yeah. the, you know, when everybody is so connected to the vision and so all in, it's yeah. really, um, it's just a lot of fun. And, you know, pretty, it can be intense at times 
too. You can be. Yeah, you're glad uh, for punishment. You keep coming back to the startup world. <laughs> you know, I, I think I have been an entrepreneur since I was a girl. I, okay. I remember I started a summer camp for the neighborhood kids when I was 10 years old. No way. And I thought about that not too long ago. It's like, oh, wow, that was my first entrepreneurial experience was, you know, being 10. So like... I had a paper route and you started a summer camp. What was the name of the summer camp? What was the I didn't name it. It just name it? I made a flyer and <laughs> you know dropped them on the doorsteps and um, yeah. That's so cool. So you've you've had this we we often refer to our community like we're wired a little different, right? And and so you you've had this wiring, this drive clearly since the the early days. Where did it come from? Was it did you watch or learn from someone? Was it just kind of intuitive for you or what was it? Well, you know, my dad had his own company and okay. I, I knew from an early age that he was his own boss and that he, he, he had his own company. Um, so okay. I think that must have influenced me. Okay. Um, and, you know, honestly, I, I don't know exactly where it came from because neither of my parents were, you know, hard drivers, like demanding performance or anything. Okay. Um, they wanted me to do well and my siblings to do well, but it wasn't an over the top kind of pressure or anything like that. So <laughs> I think it's an internal drive really. And it's, it's been, um, I, I enjoy making things better and mm. entrepreneurs often are coming up with new ways of approaching a problem. And um, so I think it's entrepreneurial and also this um, internal drive to make this world better. Yeah. My, if my wife were sitting next to me right now, she'd be going, yeah, mm-hmm, that's, yep, <laughs> yep. You're always looking for the next thing. So what, what do you remember thinking back? I'm always interested, you know, I was my dad was an entrepreneur and my mom, so it was very different households. Uh, they divorced when I was very young. And so I had like two tracks. I had, I, I had high performance and I had happiness, right? That's wow. We're going into a session right now. Look at this. So I just really, so what was it like for you? Do you remember watching that, your dad? Or you just it? connected two dots for me that I don't think I had connected because my yeah. mom was very much, she would always say, whatever makes you happy. You know, <laughs> you just do, you do you, whatever makes you happy. Yeah. And, um, you know, my dad was just an example of somebody who put in a lot of hours right. to, to have his company be successful. Right. So, I, I did pick up the same, I think, happiness and performance from, from my mom and my dad. Interesting. And so, and like, just to touch on Spark a little bit, you, you kind of marry those things a little bit in what you guys do. So real quick, what, what is it that Spark does and, and how does it, how does it kind of fuel that same thing, but you leverage it a little bit now, right out through a whole company to kind of create that environment? Yeah, so the recognition platform really makes it easy for managers to recognize employees in very meaningful, customized ways, personalized ways. Um, and so the thing about high performers, I think, is that, you know, a high performer, a high performer who does not feel seen or celebrated often at a certain point, I think we'll start to say, well, are my gifts really wanted here? Are they welcome here? And um, that one size fits all approach for high performers usually doesn't work, you know, where everybody on the team gets the exact same acknowledgement. Um, so what Spark offers, I think, really does lend itself um, to 
managers acknowledging everybody on the team in the way that uh, they like to be recognized. And then as recognition is meaningful and, you know, done in a, um, an appropriate way that really um, meets each person where they are, that builds engagement. Right. And so then the more engaged people are, then, you know, the performance, it, it's a cycle yes. that, um, that really builds on itself. So uh, recognition and engagement are very connected. And um, somebody was saying recently that, you know, they, they try and track important information about their employees using a spreadsheet, you know, an Excel spreadsheet. And I think we've all done that before, <laughs> right? But this is really a tool that goes way beyond that and uses yeah. AI uh, to, to provide that Very cool. really yeah, spreadsheet seems slightly less personal, right? When you're trying to like tap into the, so I, I appreciate you sharing that because I think it's good context, not just that you connect this to the personal level. This is what you do during the day. Right. And, and this is a very real thing, especially with all we're going through and we don't need to rehash, yeah. the, you know, the, all the, the things we say every day, um, new world, new changes. What's, what's the new normal. So but I think it's great context because it is important um, uh, to, to, to marry those two things, but also to be able to scale that to, to others, which is kind of what we're talking about. Well, yeah. And, you know, during this time, I think people can feel isolated and feel yeah. um, invisible, you know, and, and, you know, we're all most of us working from home and, and really trying to maintain a high level of performance. And it's just harder for leaders to really see people and what they're doing. Yeah. And um, so to have a way to really stay in contact with people yeah. uh, through this time and then, you know, use that same approach when we come out of this at some point, which we yeah. will. It's a good point. So let's, let's transition to that. Now, and maybe look at this from both perspectives, you know, both as a, as a leader in the industry, but also as a leader, right, of your own company and you have your own people to, to keep going through a challenging time. Um, building startups hard enough, you layer on <laughs> what we're doing now and it's, it's tough, tough. So that's a technical term, by the way. In case, you keep, keep, in case you're keeping track at home, tough, tough is a technical term. Um, what would you say, what would you say is like the state of, of happiness or employee, you know, we, we know the stats on employee engagement and it's horrible. But when we think about happiness, how would you look at it from a from an industry standpoint, and maybe maybe from as an individual leader, how do you how do you look at it right now? Like, are high performers happy right now, or are we seeing them swing more than than the general population? Would you say? Well, I just saw some research recently that Salesforce did, and it uh, basically found that sixty nine percent of employees are concerned about their mental health. Mm. So, you know, nearly wow. 70% of employees are concerned about their own mental health. Wow. So I think the, the conversation really needs to be about wellness at this point and well-being and looking at the different aspects of well-being. Uh, also in that research, they found that 82% of individuals feel that COVID-19 um, has had a bigger negative impact on their stress than any other, his, than other, any other event in their life. So, you know, it's real that what we're all dealing with as individuals trying to, you know, some people have children that are at home um, and they're trying to work while their kids are doing that distance learning experience and others don't and feel like the people that have kids are kind of, you know, getting maybe more support. Um, 
you know, it's just a, it's a lot of uncharted territory. And so I don't know if the, if at this point it's about happiness, uh, but more about well-being. And that's a great way to look at it. Yeah. And, and I want to, I, I, I want to get back to that later. I try so hard to like avoid like circle, like all we have these catchphrases. And if we say we give each other a hard time, so like, Ooh, don't give it one of them. Yes. Yes. That's one of them. So, but I think uh, it's a, I appreciate how you brought that. I hadn't thought about it that way, that it's not as much about happiness. It's about wellness. So I want to get back to what drives that later from your perspective, but that's good. But I think right now, um, there's like a balancing and rebalancing, it seems like, with high yeah. performers almost, right? Is that what it is? Like they're, they're constantly recalibrating a little bit? Or how do, you, how do you see it? Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, that balance, it didn't feel like work. You know, it's just I could spend hour after hour after hour. Um, and it was fun and it, was, it didn't feel like work. And I lost, you know, at a certain point, I lost the balance. And... Um, and that's not good. It, you yeah. know, it, it, yeah. it sucks the joy out of the experience when we're out of balance. It, it, so let's, let's talk about it from two perspectives. And if you don't mind, I dig in a little bit there. Um, what does it look like when, like, so when I look at someone like you, great in org development, you know, you've done leadership. You're like, you're the person that's brought in to make it all good. And you think, oh, They've got this all figured out. One thing I love to dig in here is understanding what does it look like for you when things get a little wonky, right? Like what does stress look like for you or when things get out of balance? So what is it for you when, how do you know when it is and what does it look like for you to get out of balance? Well, just really specifically, I, you know, it's like I stop taking care of myself in the same way that I take care of myself when I'm balanced. I love, I'm a regular meditator. And okay. when my life starts to get out of balance, I don't meditate regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, I love to ride my bike and it'll, you know, go longer periods of time between bike rides. So it, it's not always right away that I can notice Okay. Oh, I'm starting to get out of balance, but there's usually I start to get irritable, you know, and yeah. it's like, Oh, when was the last time I, you know, ate or took a bike ride or meditated or. So it's interesting. So I'm hearing you have, you have good habits built in, but they kind of get paused a little bit. Is yep. that, is that it? Okay. Yep. For a long time, I was the opposite, right? I would just see how far I could push myself and then I'd be like, ooh, this would be a good time to have a good habit. I should probably go for a bike ride or I should eat or I should do meditation. And so I was very much looking for Band-Aids to, to do that. And it was, it was really kind of funny and a little bit um, embarrassing because I remember going to a meditation uh, class one time and I overheard the teacher's kind of joking afterward. They're like, it's funny because people think they can just come here and like get healed and go home. And this is a practice, like this is a habit we have to build. I was like, oh, you mean I got to keep doing it? So I was kind of busted, but that's, that's great. So does that balance when you seek that, is it, is it something that comes natural to you? Is it something you have to work on? Um, Or have you built these habits to where for the most part, it's, it's kind of part of who you are and what you do or. More now than before, but no, I have to be aware, you yeah. know, I, I uh, particularly in that startup 
energy because it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. It's easy to just kind of say, Oh, well, I'll just keep going, you know? And, um, yeah, I know I have to be vigilant. That's, that's, uh, I can appreciate that one. What, um, so going to that, to the high performer side, is that more natural for you? So here's what I, let me rephrase this to be, be fair. So I don't set you up. People I find that I interview for this tend to uh, fall to one or the other, right? There's very few are like, I'm pretty much even. There you go. Now I'm a high performer that has to work on balance or pretty, I'm pretty dialed in. And then, you know, I've got this part of me too. So what, what is more natural to you on the high, is the high performer? High performer. A little, yeah. And, I just, you know, I'm a, I'm a recovery. High performer. I'm good. Yeah. I want to say happiness, yeah. but I, I have to work harder okay. at happiness. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I, I'm, I say I'm a recovering perfectionist and <laughs> <laughs> because perfectionism also sucks the joy out of happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I've made, I've come, you know, down that road some, but no, I lean towards high performance. Got it. Yeah. That goes to our, our friend, our, our mutual uh, admiration for Brene Brown, right? She yeah, talks about perfectionism and, yep. and that sort of thing. How do you look at perfect? I've, I'm recovering, but I kind of, I'm an <laughs> addict too. So I kind of go through this cycle. Like what, as you balance these things, where does perfectionism fall into that? Like, how do you look at it? Do you look at it different now than you used to? Or what I is do. Different now? Yeah. yeah, it's um, so striving for excellence is something that I really, uh, I value excellence. Yeah. But there's a point where it crosses over and it just starts to be negative. It, right. It's it doesn't feel good to me or to other people. Like, right. you know, it's just kind of catching when it goes too far. Okay. Got it. When, when does it sneak up on you or when does it get hard? So you talked a little bit about like the signals that you're there, but is there, are there situations? Is it like, is it stress? Is it a decision? Is it uncertainty? Is there like a driver or a trigger for you that, that makes it, Yeah, it probably is uncertainty, I would say. And I know you interviewed somebody recently that was talking about fear and facing fear. Right. Um, And I think perfectionism and fear go together. Mm. So it's it's kind of uh, being able to back up and let go of having to know, having it, needing it to be certain. yeah, I, it's, you know, once, once I started saying out loud that I'm a recovering perfectionist, then I find that other people who are also in that same boat, you know, we're kind of in a club and we can laugh about it and it makes it easier just to say it out loud and have, you know, people be able to say, you know what, is this your perfectionist or this is my, you know, to just acknowledge it and not have it be in the closet. Yeah, it's, it's a true thing. And it's a thread, you know, when I go back to the the DNA I talk about us having wired here that's similar. I think that's a common thread too, right? the perfectionism mm-hmm. and yeah. or that high performer and, and all those sorts of things. Um, what, one thing that I think is equally important is figuring out like what's, what's understanding triggers and it's so different. So it's fascinating to hear from folks like what, do, what triggers it and then how does it manifest, but also like what breaks you through mm. a little bit. I think you were sharing with me earlier uh, when we were prepping a little bit about kind of a, 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 some people have a defining moment. Some people have a big decision. Like 
for you, I think there was a moment where you kind of had a turning point. Do you mind sharing a little bit about a little bit about that? Um, well, which I can't remember which turning point. I think we were talking a little bit about, um, I think it was in the, in the past for you when you had your own startup and kind of making that, that, that shift over and it was, there was kind of like this aha moment for you. Do you, do you call yeah. It? I mean, I, I had, I had Maybe lots of aha moments. <laughs> you know, one of them, one of the big ahas was that it, 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 at a certain point I realized it was going to be a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. And, um, that if I, if I tried so hard to make things happen quickly, that, um, that burnout, you know, was, was going to be a very real possibility. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, with that startup, there was, um, there was a point where I realized I had to really enjoy, enjoy the moments um, more consciously, you know, and not just be driving towards the next milestone or the next, the next, you know, big donation or, you know, whatever it was, because there was always something else on the horizon that I was interested in and excited about. And, and it, it can rob me of the present, you know, and, and so just realize, so I was working with kids in foster care and that startup and, I, there were times when I was with the kids and I'd be thinking about something else rather than, no, this is why the whole reason why we did this is for kids and to j- just get really present and enjoy the moments. Um, that's really when the happiness and the joy comes in for me is when I'm present and, you know, noticing what's in front of me rather than something down the line why you're doing it. I, I was going to ask you for an example or a story. That's a perfect one, right? Because you created this startup to help and and yet you can be thinking about everything but that. Such rewarding work too that you were doing. You have a really fascinating background. I, I love that, enjoying, enjoying those moments. And it's easy. I, I read recently, uh, what is it? I think the statistic was 40% of the time we're thinking about anything except what we're in the moment of, right? Like in other words, half of the time we're not here. Right. We're worrying about what someone else is thinking, what we did or what's coming. Yep. And that dominates our thoughts. And so someone, it was just such a simple but powerful way they put it. You said like, imagine you've, you've lived your life, but you've really only lived half of it. You've only been there for half of it because you're too busy worrying about what's coming or what happened or who's thinking about you. And yeah. none of that shit matters. <laughs> like yeah. if you get to be there and like see a kid smile, you're like, oh yeah, that's why I'm doing this. And yeah. literally, I mean, it was a, it was a, like a seven year old girl standing next to me <sighs> and I looked down and I saw her and I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm missing this right now. I need to, you know, wow. be with her. We were at the lake, we were at Folsom Lake. And it was like, I, I need to be with this, you know, the seven year old girl right now and have some fun. Good for you, man. And, and it, I hope for everyone who's listening, you take inventory on that a little bit because it's, it's, that's work for me. I mean, it, it, that for me is hard, conscious daily work uh, because it's, it's so easy to worry about all the other stuff when you're a leader in a fast growing company as you are. Uh, and I can appreciate that. And, uh, but when I do it, it, oh my gosh, it's, it's so fulfilling. And so figuring that out, uh, kids can be a great trigger for that too. They'll, they'll call you out. 
Oh yeah. That. <laughs> so sure. and, and I love how you, I could see it. I can even see it in your energy change a little bit. Like you remember that moment, right? Like you can remember it vividly, I bet. Yeah. And, and if you think about your most vivid, powerful memories, you were present at that time. And, uh, and you can miss a lot of the other ones. So, so good. But I want to, you said something about when we're worried about what other people are thinking. Yeah. Yeah. That's another um, truth for me that I've realized robs me of happiness and joy is when I, you know, spend too much time thinking about what, somebody else might be thinking. And that's been a lifelong road for me to really um, care more about um, what's in my heart than thinking about what other people think. So that's also a work in progress, but I do feel like I've, I have made progress on that. Um, and I just, you know, when I was thinking about talking with you and really looking at the two high performance and, and mm-hmm. happiness, I was thinking about what robs, what robs me of happiness and that's, you know, perfectionism yeah. uh, is one of them, thinking, caring too much what other people think, mm-hmm. and um, doubting myself. Mm. You know, there was a point in my career where I just realized I was tired of doubting myself. So I just thought, you know what, I know I have good intentions, I'm just going to let go of the doubt and say what I need to say. Yeah. And it started to be more fun again. Why... So I can appreciate that, right? I have um, I have a PhD in imposter syndrome, so I'm I'm a very well versed in this. Yeah. Um, why did you have self doubt? You know, I look at you and I think, wow, that would be the person who wouldn't have it. Why would Why would you have self doubt? What would drive that for you? Um, I, you know, I think I've also had that for a long time. I think that started in childhood. Um, I, you know, I've siblings who are older than me and I think you know I um I felt like I was always trying to measure up to them Mm. um that's part of it probably um I don't know that I can point to any one thing uh, but my dad said to me once when I was an adult he said you know you always did care too much what other people thought (laughs) and he never said that to me when I was a, a girl but I was yeah. like wow dad that's a kind of zinger and yeah. you know, he was right and I my son is 23 and and really does not care what other people think and so he's been a great teacher for me about just oh, you know just living my life and not worrying so much about that that is cool that means yeah. you've done good mom that mean I mean that you get some credit for that oh, so good, good well for okay you. I think he was born that way <laughs> I I don't know I think the environment has a little to do with that no different than than you know what spark does in a in a company I think that you know the environment matters for for sure I, I yeah, and, and you know for for me what I love about spark that I will say in this context is that it's all about what we say is we want employees to feel seen and heard. So the engagement platform, the engagement survey uh, product that we offer is really about offering people a voice to be heard. And the uh, recognition platform is about having people feel seen. Mm -hmm. And I would say what's changed for me as I have had multiple experiences is I care more about being a high performer now for a bigger vision. Mm -hmm. Earlier on, it was more about high performance because I wanted to be a high performer. You know, Mm. it was, it was more um, individual. And now it's really, 
I want to put my talents and strengths towards something that really matters to me and matters to other people. Um, and be ha having people feel seen and heard is, is, is probably my personal mission. If I could put it in a succinct nutshell, that's it. I love that. I think that's, I think that ties together a lot of those threads because mm -hmm. as you get a little bit older and as you learn a few things and you get, you have some experience, it starts to shift from inward to outward. And, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I think for, 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 so far, I laughed when you said the, uh, the comment about, uh, you know, you, you care too much about what people think. Um, I, I had, believe uh, I just said that out loud, by the way, and it's being recorded. <laughs> but I, I had my best friend at the time and there, and, and who it turned out to, to be a, a bad relationship, but, but that was one of his parting words to me was like, you just care too much about people think. And I remember at the time I was like, well, is that bad? <laughs> you know, like I do. And I still do. I, I really do. Um, and that's a driver of performance for me is not letting people down. You know, yeah. so I totally relate to, I think more people than you realize relate, relate to those things because we do, we do care deeply. And, uh, and How has it shifted for you? What's that? How has that shifted for you? Or has it? And uh, this is a good question. I think for me, it is understanding um, the why behind it, right? So I think just like you said, for a long time, it was I cared about what people thought because it was all about me. And now I really care because I want them to be okay. And I think being a parent yeah. is a big changer there for me. I got, I got three and and they're super awesome kids. Um, and, and, I, and I just, you care so deeply and so differently about your children. Um, there was a time in my career, though, where I, I had such bad experiences that I hid from leading. Mm -hmm. And this would probably be a whole nother episode. But, um, you know, recently in the last seven years, coming back and really leading teams and companies, you, it can't be about you anymore. And it's way more fun when it's not about you. But it's still hard. It's, it's still no, that, I mean, that's, I totally agree. Yeah. When I've tried to lead and it was, I hadn't made the transition into really leadership is about helping others be high yeah. performers. Yeah, yeah. Um, I hadn't made that transition. Right. It was filled with anxiety. You know, leadership was very anxiety producing for me. But once I realized it, that it really is what can I do for you to help you be your best then it became fun yeah um, and meaningful yeah. and and not so frustrating <laughs> yeah what did someone I was talking with another c-level exec yesterday and he said he put it so simply and it was so funny and so real he said it's just the people part that's hard <laughs> and I said I said, but it's all that's that is the part he's like I know but you know he's a technology leader he's like but I like, you know, and I, coding is coding, but people, people parts hard, you know, but it's interesting because high performers, we often think, oh, they just run on their own jet fuel and they never need this stuff. Right. And so that's why I dig what you guys are doing at Spark. I think it's bringing the light, the fact that high performance happiness doesn't happen in a vacuum. Yeah. Someone's got to refuel that tank a little bit. Like, so let's shift gears to a little bit tactical and, and, you know, I like to ask people about how they run their schedules and all that. And that may be something we can dig into. You're smiling, so maybe I can get something out of you there. But I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to time. But just maybe in general, pulling back, 
what do you see that works for feeding high performers at work? Like what are, what are the things that make a difference for them? Is it the recognition? Is it being heard? Is it, is it something else that, that really makes a difference tactically that we can be thinking about that maybe is getting lost right now with a lot of the remote work? Yeah, I, I think leading high performers means being very clear about uh, the goals and about the vision. Mm. Um, I'm thinking about one person that I managed that I felt like she was just this racehorse and I had to constantly be out in front because oh, okay. something I would, you know, give her a clear goal and she, you know, 24 hours later be like, <laughs> okay, what else? What else? Right. Um, so, you know, really thinking about uh, clear goals and communicating those. Um, I think empowering high performers to really be able to figure out how to achieve the goal rather than, you know, spoon feeding. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's really more of that leader as coach framework that I think really, I I think it works for, for as a framework in general, but particularly for high performers who don't often want to be uh, spoon fed, um, but want to feel support. You know, they want to feel like you have their back. Um, And then, you know, really coming from that place that uh, a leader's role is to draw out of people uh, their own answers. And not every conversation, because not every conversation is a coaching conversation, but to make sure that some of the conversations are coaching conversations where you are, as a leader, asking more questions, helping people think through what is it they want to achieve, what's getting in the way of that, what's working well, how can I help you, but not just... I'm the leader, so let me tell you the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's hard. I mean, it's um, particularly as a leader, if, if you have a sense of what the right path might be. I know for me, it's hard to, to stay out of that. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. I get it. I, I like, yeah, I like your first one too about trying to be ahead. And I think learning and getting better at getting the hell out of the way. Right. Yeah, that's a great way to say it. Let know? them like, let them loose, let them run and just try and keep up with them. And and uh, I think that's a, a good way to look at it. What drives, you know, so when, let's say we were having a coaching conversation and, and you were coaching me to be a better high performer, or I'm trying to find out, which is what I am, like, what, what makes you high performer, right? So what are some of your your hidden tricks or your go-to tactical things that you do. And I, you know, schedule is one I, I often hear goal setting. Like what are some of the ones that, that you rely upon or that you teach a lot? Maybe I guess it could be. Another yeah. One. You know, what really helps me is uh, to get things out of my mind onto the page or, you know, okay. um, just to get them captured somewhere so that I, my mind doesn't try and hold on to it. That's when I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm trying to remember things because, <laughs> Yep. You know, so I, I've been doing that for years where I, I just get it out of my mind so I don't have to think about it. Um, and then it helps me be able to sort through and see, you know, what do I need to do right away? What can wait? And that also helps for that balance of, you know, we've been talking about high performance and happiness. If something's, you know, on my radar and I have a sense that it's not urgent, you know, mm. that means I don't need to respond to a Slack message at 10 at night. Like mm-hmm. if that can wait, it can wait. And to know that it preserves my happiness, but it also preserves other people's happiness because, you know, that the ping of the Slack message you know, can cause me to want to check, but it also causes other people to want to check. So yes. I try and model some sense of, 
you know, knowing what's really important and what can be handled at another time. Um, And my system is, I like to debrief once a week where I look at my personal life, I look at my work life, and I look at spiritual, and I just get as much down as I can. Um, And I just find that it really frees me up to be more present because I'm not trying to grasp at all these little details that I, you know, my mind can't grasp all of them. So um, I got two two I want to ask about. This is cool. I'm going into nerd mode. You ready? Let's do it. All right. What do you capture it on? So I, uh, when, when it comes to you, what's your system, what tools, apps, what are you using specifically? Okay, well, so I'm very visual and I love journals. So I okay. have my journal and I, I, um, I write things down in my journal and then later I'll put them into, you know, this week, this coming week, I want to do these, I need to take care of these okay. things. This is down the line. Um, I learn and uh, always have learned by writing. And yeah. so for me, there's something about writing it down that helps you know, it helps my mind kind of let it go um, more so than keeping notes on my phone, which I do as well if I have to. Um, But that's, that's, I would say that's my number one tool is making sure that I spend time each week just dumping stuff out. Yeah, I love, and I'm going to ask you about that. So that's good. So you're, you're, I'm going to call you old school, right? So you got journal style, you're writing it. It's good, but it's funny because once I went paperless years ago, I always tell my teams, I go, if you see me writing stuff down, that means I'm overwhelmed. That's, that's a sign that I am overwhelmed because I don't even know where to put it. So I feel more comfortable writing it down. Uh So that's like what I get in trouble now when I get two sources. So it's just different ways of doing it. Well, that's a big thing. Like having one place to capture. One place. Yeah. One place to capture, whether it's, you know, old school or. Get it out of the head. It's all good. Like I dig it. It's, it's fine. Um, I do my best creative though written that way. So I, I'm I'm old school. I'm definitely old school. I mean, I got vinyl. We're good. Don't worry about it. Um, (laughs) Do you have a methodology for prioritizing? Like, you're running a startup, so you're getting thrown not one Slack message. You're getting a lot, yeah. and they're all important, but are they all urgent? You know, so how do you have a methodology or approach or philosophy for how you prioritize things and keep that balance? Yeah, I mean, part of it is understanding when I might be slowing somebody else down. You know, I okay. want to keep the keep the wheels running smooth. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, there might be something I need to deal with because if I don't deal with it, somebody else is going to be delayed. Yeah. But part of it is just getting real about what can wait and not telling mm. myself any stories about that. I remember okay. thinking that it was such an honor when my, my manager used to, you know, send me emails on the weekend, you know, and it's like, yeah, no, that's not really an honor. And yeah. if it can wait, it, it should wait because, um, that balance, you know, core value is family for me. If my family Mm. feels like I'm never present with them, then I'm not living true to my values. So I I don't know, just not telling myself any stories about how something might be so urgent when it's really just um, not wanting to let somebody down, maybe. Yeah. I can relate. In fact, it was funny this last weekend. I was behind. I, I worked all week. All right. All right. I said it. I worked all weekend and I hadn't done this in maybe years. Like I've been really good. Um, and uh, 
I wrote an email. I was writing a lot of emails actually, and I was trying to schedule them and I accidentally sent a few without doing it. And then people were responding right away. And so I just started apologizing. Oh my gosh, listen, this can wait till Monday. I'm just, I'm catching up. I'm, I'm holding you up. Like, I just want to make sure this is there for you when you're ready on Monday. And I'm like, don't worry about it. Go back. Well, no, that's really great because it's, it's actually caring in Mm -hmm. that, what you just said, it's Mm -hmm. caring uh, about other people to not send emails on the weekend because yeah. of what it does for other people yeah. thinking, okay, you know, but I never you, thought about it that way before. Right, Someone no, taught me that. And I was like, Oh yeah, I guess that's how normal people work. Right. I should probably not do that. So yeah. And sometimes we have to work on the weekend and you know, yeah, that's sometimes the reality of the startup. But yeah. if it's every single weekend, then I have to look myself in the mirror and say, you know, that's it. That's what this is about, right? Like high performers, sometimes that happens and it's okay. Yeah. But it shouldn't be our default or our go-to or our crutch, right? Like that's it. Um, another thing I loved you said, tell me what the debrief is like. Is that as simple as just going back to the journal and picking some things out or what no. is it? No. no, I start with an old school piece of paper. No, you're never going to let me go. I'm going to put old school in the title somehow. Now we got it. No. <laughs> so I write the word work, I write the word personal, and I write the word spiritual. And I focus on what I what's in my mind about work. Okay. I, I have different categories that I look at for my personal life, um, you know, friends and family, finances, fun, fitness. A lot of them start with Fs. I don't know yeah. why. Um, <laughs> and then I just let myself brainstorm, you know, when I think wow. about these different areas. Okay, what's, what's, what's in the next week for this category? Okay. Um, and, you know, one of your prep questions was, you know, what are you working on most and what are you working on least? Yeah. I can see right now that it's work and personal life and my spiritual mm-hmm. life is not as active right now. Okay. Um, so it's just something I have to notice and say, okay, so how long will I let that yeah. you know, formula be there or equation be there? Um, so I like, you know, I'm a big fan of simple, keeping mm-hmm. it simple. And so you know, work, personal and spiritual for me are just big buckets that I can, you know, cover the basis with. I love, I love that. I think because now it's visual, it's a habit. It's, it's not um, tactical because you're brainstorming if I'm hearing this right. Like it's a little different approach. I think very tactical. So I use buckets like that, but it's, it's for all the different things I have going. It's for our nonprofit and it's for the blog and it's for work. I'm going to rethink it. I like that. I think that's a cool. Well, and maybe you just have, you know, your big category is work. Yeah. And then you have buckets under work. And um, anyway, that's that's what I'm going to add a cut. Yeah, there you go. High performer. I need more buckets. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Let's, let's turn the corner and come back to pull the pin out, circle back to wellness, health, self care. What are you seeing in the workplace? And then what are some of your, I, I love you, you, you've had, you have these kind of baked in and I want to hear kind of what is, what does self-care look like for you as somebody who's building a startup, your mom, your wife, your, you know, all these things. So yeah. t- tell me a little bit about the workplace first. What do you see that's working there in the well, in the workplace for wellness? Well, I, I'm just seeing more awareness about the importance of it okay. um, than I've seen in a while. And, yeah. and so I think it's really positive. Um, you know, leaders are making their way with this area because I've heard leaders say, I really don't want to, you know, just 
open the door to because they are uh, some leaders are afraid of becoming a therapist you know yeah. like if they ask the question yeah. um, are they going to get way too much information about mm. how somebody's doing yeah. um you know and and so at the beginning of the pandemic i i kept hearing leaders saying you know kind of to big groups of people how you doing how y'all doing you know, and of course, nobody said anything really other than, you know, I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's not really when people are going, I think, to be honest about how they're really doing is in a big Zoom meeting, you yeah. know, where it's a general question asked. So um, I'm seeing more um, articles being written to help leaders ask good questions that will get people beyond, I'm fine. Yeah. Because like I said at the start, you know, the research is showing people are not fine. They're not feeling fine. But I do think people are reluctant to admit that. Um, and so one-on-one conversations where you're asking people more specific questions, you know, what's working well for you about working from home? What's not working well? What are your biggest challenges right now? Um, you know, how can I support you? being willing to sit with people who are struggling to come up with the answers and not feeling like you have to have all the answers as a leader. Like, you know, like you said, get through this together rather than I'm the leader. I have the answers. Um, But you might've seen that Google recently uh, came up with their policy, their work from home policy and, and, you know, the six words offer as much flexibility as you can, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that's really what I'm starting to see leaders get is that it isn't one size fits all. This is not a one size fits all uh, time that we're in, but really being willing to have meaningful conversations, real conversations, and then be flexible. The person with three kids, all distance learning needs something different than somebody, you know, who has a grown child who isn't doing distance learning. So, um, and they're sending so, young, young employees who are alone in their apartment. Exactly. And, and, exactly. And yeah, it's a whole different deal. And probably don't want to announce, you know, I'm really lonely. Yeah. You know, or I'm depressed. Yeah. I mean, I'm seeing, yeah. you know, articles about depression and, and loneliness yeah. and, and uh, people that felt like they were part of a team and had a sense of belonging now not feeling so connected to the team. And that sense yeah. of belonging is starting to drop. Yeah. Um, these are big organizational issues they are, they're, they're life issues right like and issues. i like how you said you know the the just sit with them like i think just being able to have the conversation is so valuable and it'll evolve and change and they're figuring it out um i want to well, add something i'm sorry go ahead it's just to build a relationship yeah so yeah just, be, be willing to build a relationship with right. people when none of us really know what we're doing right now. Right, you know? right, right. Because so. what, what is the adage on turnover? Right, they don't they don't leave uh, bad jobs; they leave bad bosses. And part of that engagement happens through relationships. And so it yeah. It's, and actually, it's, there's research that says that eight out of ten people leave their jobs because of lack of appreciation. You know, and right now it's probably lack of listening, lack of asking, lack of empathy. You know, is yeah. probably as much of it as anything. So. Yeah, if you can add on the spark stuff on top of that, that now you're really you're really changing the conversation. Um, I, you know, I wanted to go back to what you're saying about I, I was falling into that trap. How you guys doing? How what's happening? And I I watched uh, going back to Brene Brown, right? And she said, 
she does something in meetings uh, where she goes to each leader in the room and asks the question, and but they, they get two to three words to answer it. Mm. So I've been testing it for the last like six weeks with our leadership team. How's it um, going? Like a, and, a, a quick check-in? two to A three quick words. check-in, just temperature check, right? Like two, three words, how you're at? Exhausted, happy, hopeful, scared. Like you'll get it all, right? Yeah. But it's a really good baseline to understand how to approach if there's psychological safety i think if a team feels safe with each other yeah they can be vulnerable to say i'm fried or i don't know what i'm doing or whatever but if you don't have have that kind of trust and safety i i've just witnessed team meetings where everybody goes around and has words that really don't yeah that's a good much, point. You know, they're not very vulnerable. Good point. But again, that's not because people are doing great. It's because they're not comfortable sharing what's really going on. Mm, good. So we got to cultivate that, which is what engagement and everything's all about. So how about for you as a high performer? You, you talked earlier, you have a meditation practice and a spiritual yeah. part of you. Like what's your, what's your self-care strategy, if I will. Uh, What does it look like? Yeah, so meditation is a huge part of it. And I've always wanted to meditate daily. And I I have never quite achieved that. (laughs) I'm right there with you. But, you know, regular in the sense of twice a week, you know, that keeps me balanced. It keeps me, um, you know, the, what do they call it? Monkey mind, mind, you know, from all the chattering. Um, I love to water in my garden, even though I didn't actually produce much vegetable, you know, there wasn't a lot of harvest, but it gave me something to do where I was, um, it's very calming for me. I don't know why I love to water, um, riding my bike and then just noticing that if I eat well, you know, and eat, you know, throughout the day rather than getting caught up in something and waiting till three 30 when I'm starving, you know, that's Mm. a low bar, but that's something early on with the first startup. I, I was terrible about taking, you know, eating and it's like, (laughs) that's a terrible way to treat myself, you know? Um, so, and you know, a big part of what I, I think meditation has done for me is helped me be self-aware. So to notice kind of my emotional state, yeah. you know, just to notice the different signs yeah. um, and to take responsibility for it. You know, when I start to notice something slipping, I have tools, I need to use them. And, you know, why would I not use them? So, yeah. um, and that said, I don't always use them. I don't want to make, you know, sometimes I choose not to use them and I slip farther and then I really have to use them. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know, it's like, Leadership is really about leading ourselves first. And I think that's really about awareness. Um, What do I asking myself? What do I need right now? Sometimes I just need to go have a glass of wine with a girlfriend because that's, you know, a break from him. That's right. You know, startup mode and all of that. So for you, good for you. I I like, those are very practical, very real, make a difference. Um, this has been great. I, I want to wrap up with a, a couple of kind of general ones that you take wherever you want. But one thing I'm always interested to know is, so when you think about high performance happiness, what comes to, like, how would you define it? Or what comes to mind for you? Is it a one word? Is it a concept? Like, what, how do you define or think about it? Um, for me, it is when I have achieved high performance happiness, mm-hmm. I am... Um, using my strengths. So 
um, there's a flow that I get into when I'm able to use my strengths and I'm, um, I'm using my strengths for something bigger than me, you know, so there's a, something I care about, a meaningful purpose. Um, and I'm present, you know, I'm not living out in the future. I'm, yeah. I'm actually noticing when happiness shows up because I think happiness is fleeting. I don't know anybody that has happiness every day or day in, you know, every moment it's, it's fleeting. And so at least for me, it is noticing when it's there and, and saying, you know, it's here. I love it. That's good. I like how you think about that. It is something to, uh, to appreciate. Shifting to the other perspective, what advice would you give either to a leader or even just to an individual who's, who's seeking that, who, who doesn't maybe have the tool sets yet, or they don't have spark in their company, they don't have a leader in their company who's thinking about them that way. Like what advice, either do you find yourself giving the most or would you just give in general to somebody who's trying to kind of make that shift very consciously right now? Well, it's actually something that I think is hap- the shift is happening in the workplace already. Um, you know, the two most important things to millennials are having a meaningful purpose and having the chance to grow and develop. Yeah. So it's already in the workplace that caring about something bigger than ourselves um, we have some very large challenges that we're facing as a planet. And I think, you know, being focused on something bigger than ourselves goes a long way um, towards fulfillment, you know, and well-being. Um, so I think that's really important. And then I think it's just noticing what robs us of happiness, yeah. you know, and maybe that's the same, maybe it's different. I think it's probably, like you said, there are triggers, yeah. but um you know, if we can get clear about what robs us of happiness, then I think we have a better shot at um, being happy. You know, if we can, for example, self-doubt, you know, if we know self-doubt robs us of happiness, what do I need to do? What personal growth work do I need to do to address my self-doubt? Um, so, and, you know, just to trust ourselves. I think we all have a sense of, you know, um, a bigger purpose and we can trust that we can trust what we feel passion around and what we feel called to do and, um, notice when we're really giving more than looking to receive. I think that's a good clue. I love it. Great advice. I love going back to this, robbing the the happiness. I, I see a very big positive in that though, because there, there is times where we give it away or we let people take it. Yeah. We don't give it to ourselves. So there's a lot of ways to look at that. I like how you frame that throughout our conversation. So this has been great. This is exactly what I was hoping for. We touched on a little of everything. I appreciate how honest and open you were. And um, it was it was wonderful. And I, I hope we Thank can you. have you back. Until then, where can we find you? Where do we check you guys out and, and follow what you're doing? Because you also have a lot, of, a lot of stuff you referenced. I want to point out your blog has a lot of great content. You guys do a lot of good stuff on LinkedIn. So if you need content to some of the articles you're referencing i've seen you guys share so yeah encourage people yeah, to check so, it out so where can we find you yeah so spark on linkedin um sparko.com so spark as you see on the screen co.com is uh, our website and that's where the blog is um we're on instagram and um you know you're going to be seeing a lot more from from spark um in those channels and in other channels. So um, I would say you can follow 
Anna Strauss, the CEO. She posts a lot of great content and um, we're going to be looking to start a podcast as well. So maybe uh, I'll get you, you on the All podcast. right, I'm in. <laughs> Love it. Well, listen, uh, Dan, thank you so much for being here. Thank we appreciate you. you. It's been fun watching the journey. This has been super helpful for the audience. So thank you so much. Great. Appreciate you. Thank you, Brian. Bye-bye.